Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to mini episode 298 of Real Life Ghost Stories and I have three spooky stories for you today and the last story comes from July the 9th 2023 and story number one comes from Anonymous. I am a clinical mental health counsellor and one of the things I've learned in my practice is that aside from our verbal communication and body language there are other ways we communicate. It's like that feeling when you walk into a room and you can tell there has recently been an argument. You don't know how but it's like a blanket of discomfort has fallen over the room. I've always put it into the empathy category or a form of transference, being able to feel someone else's emotions in order to understand and empathize with them, something that therapists often feel acutely. My mother-in-law though believes that often experiences or strong emotions can become attached to a place or an object. I've always thought this is a curious perspective. However, when talking to any member of my husband's family, I can begin to understand why they would feel that way. My husband's parents live up a little road that winds into the hills in a remote part of the western United States. When we were first married, I always remember getting a little spooked every time we would drive up that road. Later on, I would find out that the rural piece of land had quite a sordid history, including a couple of meth labs hidden in the hills, a small cabin where a woman had been murdered, and a peeping Tom who frequently hid in those hills after getting chased by the local police for peeping on young girls in the neighbourhood at the base of the hill. Aside from all of this, the house itself has a lot of stories lingering there. The atmosphere is almost palpable in its eeriness. My father-in-law has always had a strong connection to Native American history. He often carries a book in his hand about various tribes, learning about their customs, and you can always find him searching for arrowheads although he had never found anything that could really be considered anything of interest. He did, however, discover through DNA tests that his grandfather, who would have been adopted, was half Ute. This meant a lot to him and was maybe what sparked his interest in studying the culture so extensively. It also may have been influenced by the following experiences. Now, my father-in-law is also a civil engineer and had worked as a builder before that. So when he purchased the land up in the hollow, he decided to take it upon himself to build the house. He was more than capable. One day, as he recounts, he was up in the hollow working on the house alone, when he had a strange feeling come over him. He paused and looked up from his work to check his surroundings. Standing about 10 feet away from him was a Native American man in full headdress, feathers, bow and arrows, all of it. He looked like a chief. My father-in-law locked eyes with him and the two men stared at each other. 
Soon the chief bowed his head and looked back up at my father-in-law. All of a sudden, a noise came from the opposite direction and my father-in-law lost concentration for a moment and when he turned back to where the chief was, he had just vanished. Fast forward to about two months ago, my father-in-law had another curious experience. This one came to him via his son. His son, it should be noted, is severely autistic, non-verbal, with an additional handicap on top of that. He hasn't been able to learn to speak. He can utter only a few words here and there, but they never make much sense. He does, however, communicate in his own way. He loves balloons, and more specifically, helium balloons. Honestly, I can't even begin to understand where they still find helium tanks for him, but they have some sort of connection. But whenever somebody comes to visit, who my brother-in-law loves, he will take the time to blow up a helium balloon and tie it either to their wrist or to the windshield wipers of their car. He's 31 years old now, but it's still pretty sweet. Well, my brother-in-law had gotten in the habit of tying balloons to a specific fence post. My father-in-law couldn't ever figure out why. Balloon after balloon was tied to this one specific fence post at least once a week. Two months ago, my father-in-law started excavating some dirt around that fence to make room to expand their garden, when he noticed in the soil a pristinely carved arrowhead. He had never found one like this before. The ones before had always been barely even shaped like a triangle, just kind of rocks that looked like someone had attempted to make an arrowhead, but not this one. This one was sharp, a perfect triangle with gracefully curved notches on the bottom. So we started looking around and noticed 20 or 30 of these arrowheads all beneath that singular fence post. He has since found even more. There could be hundreds for all he knows in that single spot. As of right now, he has stopped excavation because he is concerned that he might find a grave. Maybe even the grave of the chief that he locked eyes with all those years ago. Many of the family members have speculated that my brother-in-law somehow supernaturally knew where to find the arrowheads and was alerting my father-in-law to it. I wouldn't put it past him. Although he can't communicate, I have always felt that he is deeply intelligent in a way that I know nothing about. There are plenty of other stories that surround that house that are far more sinister, but this one has always intrigued me. The Native American never seemed like a malevolent entity. In fact, when my father-in-law reminisces on that story, he says he had the feeling like the chief was asking him to take care of the land. I do think that our emotions, experiences and memories carry a weight with them. And I think that some of those memories remain intact in the land or the house where they took place. My psychologist brain often tries to rationalise these things or put them into a context that seems plausible but sometimes there are just so many stories that it seems hard to write it off so easily. But maybe that's just my love for the spooky stuff. I just got completely sidetracked looking up the history of the Ute Native American tribes. And oh my God, it's just so interesting. I mean, a lot of it is is hideous and brutal and sad and terrible. And I sort of felt like I could have just fallen down a rabbit hole reading about it for the rest of my life. And you can totally see how your father-in-law would have this fascination, you know, finding out that his grandfather was half Ute and had been adopted. And I can understand why this would mean a lot to you because you're like, well, this is this is my cultural heritage and I want to learn about it and I want to find out things about it. And who are we to say maybe the Native American man that, that your father-in-law saw was there to be like, I see you, this was our land 
and I hope that you look after it and I'm asking you to look after it. And maybe the reason why he appeared to your father-in-law was because of that ancestral connection. And that whole bit about the balloons and finding all those arrowheads underneath that particular fence post. Honestly, the human brain is absolutely wild. And like you said, while your brother-in-law might not be able to communicate in the traditional sense of communication, he certainly communicated that to your father-in-law by putting balloons on that same fence post over and over again as though he knew there was something there. And maybe he did know there was something there. How he knew that, we can only speculate, right? Because he's not going to be able to communicate how he knew that, but he seems to have known it. I would love to know if since this story was submitted anonymous, if your father-in-law continued digging, if he has still taken the stance of, I'm not going to go any further because if it's a burial site I don't want to disturb it totally understand that and I can see why he would think that if there are hundreds of arrowheads in that particular spot it could signify that it was a place of significance for whatever reason how fascinating Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. And story number two comes from Jan. It was around 1984. I was about 17 or 18 years old and my dad and I had just moved to a fairly modern three-bed semi not very far from Cork City in Ireland. One night, having fallen asleep, I woke up and felt somehow not right. I lay, or so I thought, there briefly trying to figure out what was wrong and for some reason reached down behind me, only to find that I was about six inches or so above the mattress. Maybe I was asleep, but it has stuck with me for nearly 40 years, that feeling of dread. Another night in that same room, I woke to being struck really hard on the side of my head. I had the sensation of being struck and the ringing sound you get in your head when that happens. To this day, if I have to lie on my left side, no matter how warm it is, I cover the right side of my head. I had my first baby in the early 90s. It was her first summer, so she was only a couple of months old. And I loved to read this old MacDonald book to her. We were home alone in the kitchen dining room, and I had just read her the book, complete with pressing the buttons that made the animal sounds. There was a hard back to the book with a strip to the right side of the pages. There were pictures of cows, horses, ducks, etc. on this part, and you press the picture button to play the sound. I had put the book down on an armchair, and after a couple of minutes, it played, Old MacDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O. Except there was no button for Old MacDonald. 
and it had never played that phrase in a tinny man's voice before. I was freaked, but thought maybe I had missed something. So I thoroughly checked the book, pressing all the buttons, pressing two or more together. I tried everything. I got my husband to check it out when he got home, but it didn't play again. Time for a new book, because I fucked that one in the bin. My dad and I spoke about everything, and he would have been fairly open to the paranormal. To the point where I used to joke, when you go, let me know you're okay and give me a sign. My dad passed away four years ago, just days after he was moved to a hospice for end-of-life care, and my sister and I had the privilege of being with him when he took his last breath. We were allowed to have a couple of hours with him after he passed, and family had come to say their goodbyes. At one point, about two or three hours after he passed, I was left alone in the room with him. I reached down and stroked his face with the side of my hand and got an electric shock feeling in my little finger. At the same time, I heard a very distinct and soft thud from the corner of the room. I went and checked, but nothing had dropped either there in the adjoining bathroom or outside the patio window. I gave him a little smile and thanked him. So this story might be a bit of a tangent, but it relates to loved ones coming back after they are dead. And I watched um, the new Nandor Fodor film during the week. It's going to be my film review on Sunday. And in that film, they talked about Houdini. And apparently after his father died, Houdini became sort of obsessed with trying to contact him and subsequently became a bit single minded about exposing psychics and mediums who claimed to be able to contact the dead. And this was such a facet, such an important facet of Houdini's life that him and his wife decided that they would have a special code or a special phrase or a special message that they would give each other when the other one died. So when Houdini did die, his wife went to a number of psychics and eventually she went to see a psychic who allegedly told her the exact message that her and Houdini had agreed upon before he died. And while it obviously wasn't the basis of the film, I did think it was a really interesting little anecdote. I just thought it was really interesting. And we get so many stories into the podcast, like Jan's stories, where people have, you know, loved ones have come back to give a message and say, hey, I'm okay. I might be gone, but I'm still around, whatever that message is. And I think it's beautiful, Jan, that your dad was able to do that for you. In regards to your first story, where you woke up and you were hovering six inches or so above the mattress. Like, is it possible that you woke up while you were astral planing? That's what they call it, isn't it? Where your body, your soul or your spirit or whatever, your essence leaves your body as you are sleeping and knocks around doing whatever essences do. Is it possible that you woke up in that state and that's why you were six inches above the mattress? I don't know what to tell you about getting knocked on the side of the head, though, because that, that seems really unfair. Really unfair. And in regards to the book playing Old MacDonald Had a Farm, I totally know the exact type of books that you're talking about. And I'm sure everybody who has been around small children will know the exact type of books that you're talking about, too. And also, when children go through phases of loving the same books you know, for a long period of time when you read them over and over again. If that thing sang Old MacDonald Had a Farm, you would know about it. Ju- it just is. You would know about it. I'm sorry, you would know. I would love to know if any other things happened in that house. And do you know what? If I had children, I think I just wouldn't buy them toys. I'd be like, I'm sorry, your imagination is as far as it goes because I'm not taking the risk of having any toys that make noise in this house because sure enough, they're going to move around. They're going to go off independently. They're, it, it's, too, it's too much of a risk. 
And story number three comes from Marit. About 17 years ago, at the age of 61, my grandmother suffered from a massive stroke, leaving her in a coma and having her balance on the edge of death, tipping over two times in the first week. Fortunately, the doctors were able to get her back both times and she defied all the odds in her recovery. Early on, doctors wouldn't believe that she would wake up again or regain the ability to walk or talk again, but she did all of that, although it was a very long and difficult process. During her recovery, she got to a point where she moved from the rehabilitation centre back home and was physically and mentally well enough to be left on her own at home for short periods of time while my grandfather ran some errands. During these short periods on her own, a small group of men, dressed in black and wearing black top hats, would appear in the house. They would either be quiet or talk to her in a language she couldn't understand. They frightened her and she would call them the gravediggers since she felt they were there to wait for her to take her back to the other side since she slipped out of death two times by that point. Their presence was very unnerving to her. During those same times, often her late mother, brother and best friend would be in the house too, even though all three of them had died many years before. When they were present, the gravediggers would either keep quiet or disappear fully. To my grandmother, it felt like her loved ones trying to protect her from the gravediggers waiting for her. She would repeatedly tell my grandfather about this and people that were in the house when he wasn't there. He saw no signs of them but did his best to support my grandmother and her experiences. The more my grandmother healed, the less and less she would see the gravediggers, but she also started to realise that her loved ones should not be in the house with her either. Over time, while their demeanour didn't change, the appearance of her deceased family members and friends started to unnerve and scare her. Instead of a source of calm and safety, they became a source of anxiety to the point where they made her really uncomfortable. My grandfather decided that it had been enough and that it was time to let go of these people. He took my grandmother to a forest nearby, where they would often go for walks. At a crossing of paths, he asked my grandmother if her mother, brother and friend were walking with them, my grandmother confirmed. My grandfather gave a small speech, thanking her family members and best friend for how they took care of my grandmother during these very trying times, and how they protected her from death when death was closer than anyone was comfortable with. He proceeded to tell them that my grandmother was now much better and they were not needed anymore, so they were free to go. According to my grandmother, the three people started walking down the path away from them, my grandparents looked after them until they were fully out of sight, turned around and walked home. My grandmother never saw them again. Were the people she saw truly her friend, mother and brother taking care of her from the afterlife, making sure she was protected from further harm or death? Or were these the projections of a severely damaged brain in the middle of an intense healing process? We will never know. Unfortunately, last year my grandmother passed away from cardiac problems. I just hope she is reunited with the people that took care of her and were waiting for her all this time. There is obviously a lot of conversation both in the paranormal sphere, in the scientific sphere, in the medical sphere about what happens to your brain after you die, what happens to your brain when you die and you come back and what what any of the stuff that people claim to see when they die and are brought back or are near death, what any of that means. And here's the thing. I don't think we're ever going to know what any of that means or whether it's paranormal 
whether it's real or whether it's our brain projecting things. I don't think we're going to know. We barely understand the brain as it is. And I'm pretty sure that scientifically there is a struggle to even explain what consciousness is. But whatever the answer is, the idea, the vision, the image of those little grave diggers bopping around the house in their suits speaking in a different language really gave me the heebie-jeebies. Like, is it possible that because your grandmother had this experience where she had died and was brought back that she somehow was more open to things? The interesting thing about this story is that I think that people will be completely divided on this one. That some people will say, hey, look, it's just a brain trying to heal itself and projecting these things. Or other people will say, look, she died and came back. Maybe that opened her up to some stuff. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Anonymous Jan and Marit for sending in your stories. Remember, the last story came from July the 9th, 2023. And if you would like to send in your story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out the website reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And if you are desperate for some extra content, you can subscribe to the Patreon. That is patreon.com forward slash stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content, as well as every single main and mini episode completely ad-free. And on that note, I shall see you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.